Welcome back to The Dad Chronicle, where we share stories from dads all around the world. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 115. On today's episode, I speak with fellow gamer and podcaster, Ryan Murphy. Ryan is a father of three and has found a great balance of creating content and still upholding his responsibilities as a parent and a husband. And for me, this is very relevant considering I am welcoming our new son here in like the next, I don't know, a few weeks. So that's gonna be a real top of mind thing as we approach the birth of my son. I still wanna be able to create content and I wanted to have a conversation with Ryan about how he finds that balance. We talk about playing video games with your kids and the benefits behind it. When you talk to folks who don't play video games and you tell them, oh, we're playing video games with our kids and they kind of look at you like, Either you're crazy or, or or even I've had it, like even like a like kind of a bad parent. We talk about the mindset of a content creator. Some might say like, oh, well, you've you've put too much uh, pressure on playing games. Like, no, I look at it the other way. Like, it gives me more reason to to enjoy the game because now I like I, I'm playing something I know I'm going to enjoy because I'm going to talk about it. And finally, we talk about how you set up communication and boundaries with your partner all around how to balance content creation and your role as a father. I'm kind of worrying in the back of my mind, uh, am I going to be able to keep doing this? And she kind of laughed and she said, like, of course you're going to be able to keep doing this because we're not going to let this kid take over our lives in the sense that he will eventually go to sleep. You'll have time. We'll make it work. Here's my conversation with podcaster and gamer, Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for being here. Ryan, uh, you and I have met just through the internet, and uh, one thing that I've always really enjoyed is uh, seeing how much of a dad you are. Is that is that an appropriate thing to say? You're you're just such a dad, and I love it, and I and yeah. I needed to have you on the show. Um, so why don't we take a moment to to introduce you to the world in case people don't know, don't know who you are? Yes, yeah, so I am Ryan Murphy. I'm a father of three. I've got three kids. Uh, my oldest is is four and a half. His name's Caden, uh, and then my middle child Abigail is is three, and then my youngest is uh, Isabel, and she was born this year. Uh, she is six months. Uh, so I I live in Peterborough, Ontario, with my my family, my wife Ashley, and um, I'm from I'm in Canada, so that's I, I'm not not in in some sort of location in California. Sometimes Ontario will cause that confusion, but yeah, it's uh. <laughs> That's that is my that is my dad portfolio. Is that what, like yeah? I don't know. That's a good. That that's a solid portfolio. And you're also a a, a big gamer, and you're a, you're a content creator, and that that's going to be a big part of our conversation for sure. So um, definitely looking forward to to jumping in and and talking a bit about that, and and especially around video games because that's something that that you and I both share a love for. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk a little bit more about your family. So you mentioned that you just had your third child. First of all, congratulations. That is incredible. Three kids. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, right now, pretty good. I mean, they're asleep, so I can kind of rest easy for at least another hour. And then you get into that, like, should I go to bed or uh, should I stay yeah. up a little later, enjoy some 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 me time? I don't know. But, you know... During the day, it is very busy. Obviously, uh, a lot of folks are at home um, with their with their kids, or just at home in general because of the pandemic. But I'm I'm on parental leave, so I'm at, at home uh, with the family as well as well, the whole family. We're all home, and it's been it's interesting. Like it's good to have the whole family unit home and being able to focus solely on 
on our kids because there's obviously a lot going on with, you know, Caden starting kindergarten and Isabel being, you know, so you know young um, and then having a middle child who we're right now potty training. Uh, so we, we stacked the deck for 2020, it seems. Yes. Um, but yeah. How are you dealing with that, by the way? How are you finding that balance? Is there anything specific that you guys are trying to be really conscious about? Like, what are your thoughts there? I think... I think the balance, like from the perspective of the kids, like during the day, um, we try to keep a schedule. So before school started, we really had to try to find a way. Actually, I should say like once the pandemic hit and, you know, Isabel was born March 31st. So right around like a couple weeks before that, things started to, to lock down. So our schedule kind of got thrust upon us by having this newborn and and we we're very schedule driven with with our you know in the early years of our, our kids lives because that that allows us to have our own free time you know uh, having a, a sleep schedule and naps to look forward to so having Isabel really helped us keep a schedule for the kids which I think helps the kids kind of keep track of the day and and it's not just based around like meals it's actually based around like okay well Isabel's going up for a nap, so we're going to go downstairs and play, or we're going to go outside for a walk, and it really helps to keep that that schedule. It keeps the, I, I think, the kids, a busy and and grounded. Um, but now with school, uh, it's it's gotten a little more hectic, but a lot more schedule driven because remote kindergarten is like you got to be downstairs for eight thirty in front of the tablet, and then at ten fifteen. You know, Caden's done for two hours, then he comes back after lunch, and he's done for a half hour, then he's back. So it's a lot of running around, and uh, it, it, it ends up with me kind of running in between the levels of our home. We, we live in a split level, so there's kind of like three or four levels, but it's it's sort of, uh, it's split across the house. It's not like a giant house, it's just, it's a split level. <laughs> sure, and, sure, sure. And uh, I'm running from the basement to the, to the middle room to make sure Abby is going to the bathroom properly, <laughs> then keeping out of the upstairs because Isabel's trying to sleep and then running back downstairs to make sure Caden's like not yelling at his teacher because she's not answering his questions. It's, it's pretty hectic, but I think the schedule helps because it, it gives us a very finite time to, okay, now it's break time or now it's play time, you know, and I think that helps Caden get through the day. I think he appreciates the schedule. At least I hope he does. Yeah. That's gotta be crucial because one of the things, very clear parenting guideline has always been schedules having your kid on some kind of a of a rhythm and keeping that consistent that is valuable and you should mm -hmm. always strive strive for that and i totally i totally agree and i really subscribe to that as well and i and i wonder in your situation you have a kid entering kindergarten and you have another one at you know six months old how are nap times handled like are they all on the same nap time is Caden even taking a nap no Caden Caden doesn't nap uh he napped he he was a good napper he napped till I think two and a half Abigail she's our uh she's she's our little defier like she she saw her older brother not napping and she's like I'm gonna do that too and I think she stopped napping shortly before she turned two so it was a it was an interesting shift because we kind of thought we had at least another six months of her you know, giving us a break for at least an hour a day. Yeah. Um, but you know, she, she doesn't nap. So essentially when Isabel goes down for her one or two nap or two or three naps a day, I've got to essentially separate Caden and Abigail because together they are very noisy. They're usually, 
either yelling while playing or yelling at each other. <laughs> um, and school makes that a lot easier because we can put Caden downstairs and then we can keep Abigail in the middle room. And she's she's fairly good. And and she likes her privacy as well. So now that she's potty training, she's oh, like, good. She's very independent and um, she's happy to just go about her business. But it's but when she is she's done her business, she likes to let everyone know. So if Isabel's <laughs> tr- trying to sleep, I'm like, Okay, I'm coming. Just give me a minute. That's I've got to run upstairs. It's a it's an interesting thing, but I mean, in terms of balance, like I think that schedule really helps. And I've seen the other side of it where um, I'm not trying to, you know, let parents know like they have to have a schedule. It, I just find that it really helps. I get the question of like, well, how do you have time to do all this stuff? And it, it really comes down to that schedule gives Ashley and I more time in the evening. So the kids are down at seven and out like they are asleep um isabel takes a little more time and and that is usually you know between her and ashley as ashley's still breastfeeding um so isabel usually goes down around seven thirty-eight, shortly after kate and abigail do but that allows us the evenings to do you know either we're hanging out or sometimes we'll order you know we'll skip dinner with the kids and we'll order dinner in just to hang out obviously I have my podcasts and my my video games, but we, you know, we, we watch TV and stuff. So that allows us that that's where we find our balance. Like it's, you know, six to 7am to 7pm. That's the kids. And then after that, uh, is our time basically. Yeah. We have a very similar rhythm here and I have to be honest, Aria is like three and a half and she's still napping and I'm taking that's great. it. I'm taking it. I'm taking it, Ryan. So <laughs> keep it. We're, and I don't know how much longer that's going to take. And I hope there's some overlap with our son coming here in the soon. I don't know. I'm looking at the date <laughs> the soon. <laughs> He's coming soon. Like November 12th is the due date, but with how big Deanna's getting, who knows? But I, I hope that there is some overlap there. I'm not holding my breath. I know everybody's like, dude, she's still napping. So I get it. But I do uh, think that having them, on some sort of a schedule, like you said, you know, up to 7 p.m., like when you put them to bed, that's awesome. Deanna and I do the same sort of thing. Uh, Aria's bedtime is about 7.30. She starts winding down, and by 7.40, she's, like, upstairs and kind of, like, in bed, and we're starting that routine of reading her a book or, you know, uh, whatever it might be. So I, I think that that is so crucial. But even while that's important for the kids – you just nailed it. It's really important for the parents to handle that as well because that's your mental sanity right there. You need some time to yourself, and that's a really good way to do it. So that's killer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, and I wanted to, to, to think a little bit about your, you know, you've come a long way. You got three kids now, but even back to the beginning uh, when Caden was born, what was it like with that whole situation? Let's start with when you found out that you were going to be a dad. What was your reaction? Yeah. I mean, when Ashley and I, uh, we, well, obviously when it got serious, we, we had talked about, you talk about this stuff, you talk about, you know, marriage and kids and what you want to do. And, and kids was one of those things that we, we agreed on, or or, we agreed on a lot of stuff. I should probably preface that, but kids was one of the (laughs) the things uh, that we agreed on as well. And, and three was always sort of our, you know, our goal uh, to, to hit at some point. Um, so when, when it came to our first kid and I, and I will say this, I give full, you know, kudos to Ashley in the sense that like, I'm obviously there to support in any way I can, 
But I think my comfort level always came from the fact that Ashley uh, knew what she was doing and, and, you know, brought me along and, and we, we learned together a lot of the stuff, like we did the parenting classes. So I'm a pretty, you know, anxious person. And, uh, but when, when we were having a kid, because I was, you know, having that kid with, with Ashley, like I was actually relatively calm, you know, and, and we were approaching it from the standpoint of like, we're going to, we're going to do this. Uh, we, we, it was all planned. So there was, you know, we had that opportunity to prepare ourselves mentally for the fact that we were having a kid and we did the classes, which was very helpful. A lot of people sort of, you know, laugh at the classes sometimes, but they are, essential because they allow you to learn the core basics of having a kid. They even walked you like the class we did, they walked you through the hospital and explained everything. Yeah. And that was so helpful for me because the first panic attack would probably be like, where do I park? You know, what door do I go in? Uh, but because we had done the tour, I, my brain didn't have an opportunity to latch onto that <laughs> nonsense. You know, yeah. I was able to focus on the fact that we were, we were having a, a kid, but, um, so when we found out when we found out we were pregnant, it was just like, we did it. Yay. You know, it was exciting. And we were obviously, I think we were so excited. Like, we live about an hour and a half from my parents. And we told Ashley's parents who live in town. And then we were like, well, we should tell my parents. So we just got, obviously, we can't do this now because we have three kids. But we just got in the car and we drove there. Right. You know, an hour and a half and told them. That's <laughs> cool, dude. Could, yeah, yeah. And told by them the way. Some lie to. Yeah. yeah that, and that, um. That whole classes thing is, I think that it's misinterpreted by a lot of people. And and I actually we I just released a YouTube video some some of the like the five tips that I have for new dads. And the very first thing that I talked about was classes. And a lot of the times people downplay classes because they're like, what are they going to teach me? But it's it's not just some of the practical stuff. It's the mindset stuff when you're going to be a brand new dad. And I think that subconsciously, like what happens, it's wild when you're experiencing like walking through the hallways of the of the hospital, like you said, the state of mind that that puts you in kind of putting it all together, like making it feel real. Like some of that stuff is is so necessary and stuff that people don't think about. You know mm. what I mean? Like that's crazy to me. Yeah. Like even just the ability to go into the birthing suite and not even and from the perspective of a dad um understanding what what uh what your wife is going to go through in in ha having this child like that was also important to me because obviously I wasn't going to experience it myself <laughs> but understanding how that process was going to work and and um how long it can take cuz you watch the movies and like it 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 leans from you know uh they they, t they boil down all of the all of the sort of the myths from the you know the uh, the, the splash of water on the floor to the 36 hour labor. And yes, those examples exist, but I think like they give you the, they give you the details you need to kind of understand what a typical birth is like, and then also offer you those opportunities to ask more questions of what maybe an atypical, um, birth would be. And they go into like a lot of the details that you, you wouldn't think to ask or think to know about beforehand, like even, you know, C-section, which is, is some is a pretty con we've never had to do it but you know i have family members that have had to have c-sections and right. understanding what that is and what what it means when you're there even as a dad because it changes the whole ordeal um and i've 
you know, I have friends that have, my brother has had to, you know, he's been in that situation, right? So it's, um, it, it was interesting. Yeah, the class is like, I can see now it's a little more, you know, difficult because you're having to do it through Zoom. But uh, the ability to, to be at that hospital and experience it, especially when you don't have a lot of experience with hospitals, because I mean, I don't. Um, so like, I feel like I'm an expert now with the Peterborough Hospital because I've been there and live there, you know, right. <laughs> for at least one or two days over the last uh, <laughs> six years. So um, it's, uh, it's interesting. But I, I remember, I remember when, like, I remember a lot of things about, you know, Caden being born and, and, you know, I think that class really prepares you in the sense that, you know, we were up at three in the morning to go to the hospital. And like, of course, that's when, you know, the anxiety, you know, kicks in because it's like, oh, my God, I didn't get a full amount of sleep. And now right. I rush into the hospital and it's crazy. Yeah. So what was that moment like? I mean, you held Caden for the first time. What was going through your mind? Uh, It was it was, you know, I, it's probably going to be bad to say, but it was weird, right? Like you're, a lot of people describe this moment of like, you know, uh, you know, bliss, like happiness. But when I was holding Caden, like you're, you're, you've been, we've been in there for since 2am. So we were in there for like 12 hours. I'm surrounded by Ashley's family and a bunch of doctors and, um, uh, holding Caden and like, it didn't really feel like, uh, like, uh, my moment, like we, we eventually got around to the point where it was like, we, we were able to hold the baby without an audience, which was, which was my favorite moment of, uh, finally being able to hold Caden for what may have been maybe the second or third time. But it, it was, it, but it was, it was really, I mean, a really a lot changed that day, right? Like we went right. from just the two of us to now having uh, a kid to take care of and we were ready for that change, but it's kind of this you feel that moment change. And I mean, I remember that day was so hectic. And then uh, also Caden got rushed to the NICU um, because he had low blood sugar. He was a, he was a bigger baby. So out of, you know, precaution, they said his low, his blood sugar is quite low or yeah, it was low. We're going to bring him into the NICU. So we had to like drop what we were doing and rush him over to the NICU so they could monitor him for 24 hours. And I think like once everyone left because they weren't allowing like everyone to go into the NICU, we went back to our, our room. We were able to get a room to ourselves. And I think Ashley was in the NICU and was like, I'm just going to go lay down for a bit. So I lay down on this like really bad hospital couch and I just <laughs> I sit there. I'm like, okay, well, this might be one of the last few moments of quiet for a while. Yep. Uh, so I'm just going to sit here. And I think it kind of all hit me at once because like no one was around. So I'm just kind of like, I'm I'm happy, but like I'm also kind of crying at the same time. I don't know if I'm like panicking, happying kind of thing, but I kind of like had all these emotions hit me at once because I like I suddenly don't have this audience here, and I'm just kind of able to have it, you know, process it all. Um, but quickly after that, another family member em entered with dinner, and I'm like, all right, we're back to it. Yep, and we're we're doing this thing, and uh, obviously, Caden was you know he was fine. He got out of the NICU, and we were able to kind of have more moments to ourselves with, with Caden. And I think, uh, because I was on parental leave at the time with my wife, we were, again, we were able to be both there to take care of Caden and, and kind of learn together what this meant. And every baby is so different. Obviously this was our first, so it was, this was setting the bar, but, um, we were kind of learning as we, as we went, like, as we learned what Caden needed, right. Yeah. In terms of sleep and eat and just, basically being taken care of, right? Well, and you, you actually touched on something that's worth revisiting. 
that mm. feeling of, hey, I just had this kid and I don't even have the time to really enjoy it. I don't feel like what they talk about in the movies where I have that honeymoon phase. That is so common. It's so common. And what I'm realizing more and more is I, I kind of had... I kind of had a little bit of a honeymoon phase and I've talked about this in in other episodes where I had I was holding Arya for the first time and it was that moment in the movies where like everything's muffled sounding around you you know what I mean and then all of a sudden everything becomes clear they're like oh, oh uh, Alex Alex and I was like oh well, hey I'm holding you know I'm holding this baby um and I had that moment but for a lot of men they don't have that moment until much later on where they realize what just happened uh, everything starts to click. So I think that that's worth acknowledging, you know, in this case, because people need to understand that it's okay if that happens, that you will, it will eventually sink in, right? Like, cause like you talked about, you were able to sit down and, and just kind of cry and like realize everything that just happened. So I don't want people to really feel discouraged if that comes into fruition for, for them. So what was it like for you guys being at home then with this new one? Yeah. So when we got home, um, and it's funny, I mentioned the family stuff, like Ashley's family lives in town and, and obviously they play a big part in our lives, but we, um, we had a basement apartment and when we found out we were going to have a kid, we were like, well, maybe we should put someone down there who's going to be cool with that. And what better way to do it than, than have, uh, we had Ashley's uh, sister and her boyfriend of the t- at the time, you know, living downstairs. So, they, you know, obviously we had our separate, you know, lives and, and there was distance there, you know, healthy distance, but we did have that, that additional support. But when we got home, um, it was just nice to not have to worry about work and actually didn't worry, have to have to worry about work. We were both on, on leave and we were able to focus on just figuring out what to do. And, and I, and when I say that, like Ashley knew, she knew it was, I mean, maybe I should ask her, but I'm pretty sure she knew what she was doing. She she had everything under control and I was just like, what do you need me to do? Like I'll cook dinner, I'll clean up, like I will just help in uh any way I can. You know, we're we're breastfeeding, so obviously that like there wasn't none of our kids took bottles, so I couldn't even really help with feeding. But uh-huh. man, I could change a diaper. Um with Caden, like his sleep schedule was off. So that was the big that was the big sort of uh you know, learning curve was like sleeping, um, you know, because the baby is so attached to, you know, mom with breastfeeding, like there wasn't a lot I could do, but what I would do is I would try to get up and I would kind of get Caden ready to to feed. So actually what didn't have to be up so much. Um, obviously that changes with multiple kids because like you don't want both parents tuckered out when you have to take care of kids all day. Uh, but, uh, with, with Caden, um, you know, there were moments where like his sleep would be just, you know, he was not going back to sleep. And, and I, I remember like three in the morning, I just, I'd, you know, take him, put him in the car and we'd, we'd go for a drive. We'd drive up, up the street to get a coffee at McDonald's. And by the time I got through that drive through, he was asleep and I was wide awake cause I had had a coffee at the moment <laughs> and, uh, we'd just go for a drive, um, just to kind of settle him. And then we'd bring him home. And I think that was like, that was a good majority of my you know, parental leave was like twice, three times a week, taking him for, for a drive just to get him to, to sleep just so Ashley could have, well, some sleep, you know, um, good on you. And, man. uh, yeah, luckily I haven't had to do that much with the other kids, but Caden was, he had some trouble sleeping. For yeah. Sure. And, and actually that's, that was going to be my next question. What was it like 
when you had multiple kids to now juggle, you know, you're doing this with your third and you got two other kids. How do you now deal with that sleepless night? You know, you're trying to uh, find the balance there. Are you finding any like is is now your experience kind of coming into play and you're just able to handle it better? Or like, what are your observations? Yeah, well, with with multiple kids, like we were able to, we were able. I don't know if it was luck. I think it might have been luck, or just the fact that our kids were such good sleepers. Once we had them on a schedule, of they, we didn't have our, you know, our next kid hadn't arrived before the older kid or kids was sleeping through the night. For the most part, you have those instances where, you know, he wakes up and he's like, I can't find my water bottle, or something's crawling in my bed or is it morning time? You know, those, those <laughs> abrupt 2am wake up calls. Right. Um, but for the most part, they were sleeping through the night and that really helped because it set a baseline. Like, um, I would obviously support Ashley in any way I could where if you know she was up feeding and if it got to the point where it was just like, you know, feeding isn't helping, you know, Abigail or, or Isabel go back down to sleep. Um, I need you to kind of step in and give me some rest. But for the most part in the morning, like I was up uh, with the kids, like Caden or Abigail or now Caden and Abigail between six and 7am. And I just try to, and if Isabel woke up, I go and scoop her up and bring her downstairs and give Ashley a little more time to kind of try to balance out the fact that she was up in the middle of the night. But Isabel's been fairly good. Like she's been, now we're at the point where she's usually waking up, you know, once or twice. She's struggling with some, I think some teeth or something. Awesome. Uh, I think she's oh, teething, but that's brutal. Um, that sort of interrupted that that sleep schedule. But we, I think we just, you know, and because we're both home, it's like okay, you know, I had a later night, you know, either due to you know just indulging a little too much with video games or doing some podcasting, or we both stayed up a little late watching a movie. I'm a little extra tired. Okay, well, let's you know try to find a way where when Isabel's down, like you can have like a nap or something. So it, right. it is that partnership, that um, sort of support there where we're just honest with each other. Like I try to be honest, like, okay, yeah, I stayed up a little later. I'm a little extra tired. I did get up with the kids, but I just, like today, I kind of just need, you know, an hour just to lay down and and we return the favor. Like if you need an hour, like, yeah, we'll go outside. We'll I'll keep the kids busy. I'll listen out for Isabel. You can just go down for a little bit. It, it really is that, that it's important that that partnership really to make sure that you're just both supporting each other, even if, you know, uh, it is, you know, with feeding, it is a little one-sided. Like I said, none of our kids took bottles. Right. Um, even when we tried, they just screamed bloody murder. <laughs> like they did not yeah, like it. That, Deanna, um, tried breastfeeding and it didn't really work out very well. Aria had a lot of trouble latching and uh, by the time that we were feeding her a bottle, she refused to latch on Deanna anyway, and she was, like, right. preferring the bottle. And then Deanna was like, man, I feel like a freaking cow sitting here, you know, pumping and everything. So we ended up, you know, she made the decision to stop pumping and just went straight formula. And and that worked out fairly well. But that's a, that's a tough thing for for some women to go through. So, I mean, is your wife finding it? easy to deal with the breastfeeding is she kind of used to it now or is it a struggle for her she she had a pretty um i I don't want to say easy like i don't want to speak for her but i i think she she did well with it like she she enjoys breastfeeding um and from what i hear unless they're 
teething, you know, um, for yeah. obvious reasons. But yeah. <laughs> I, I think when it comes to to her comfort level, it was always the plan, and I think we were we were both very happy oh, it worked good. out. But again, like bottle feeding, uh, formula feeding, that's like I think it at this day and age, it's all good. Like it's whatever works. And I think again, going back to the classes, that's another thing that they really, at least from my experience, they they really want to uh, educate people on is like. Yes, we encourage you to try breastfeeding, but if it doesn't work and the lactation coaches don't work, there are other options and they are just as suitable. Like, oh, totally. It's it's all good, basically. Yeah. Uh, you have mentioned a couple times this idea that you're on parental leave, and for for me and the rest of the the folks from the states hearing this, all the other Americans hearing this, they're like, "What is parental leave? Mm. We've heard of maternity leave. What is this?" So for for all of us ignorant Americans you're based in Canada mm-hmm. you, you've talked a little bit about how you're you've been spending time with your kids you have been off from work for six months taking care of your kid do you want to talk a little bit about how parental leave works in Canada for those who might not know and how you've been making the most of that in in the current situation yeah yeah so in Canada, uh, we have maternity leave, which is three months, and then we have paternity leave, which is six months uh, or nine months, totaling to be a year. Um, and that the parental leave can be shared time. Uh, the maternity leave is is for um, the mother. Although I think they've changed the rules a little bit, where if you're uh, if you're adopting, I think you can kind of take that time as well. I haven't, I personally oh. haven't looked into it, but they've, okay. they've really made it as, fle- it's very flexible in the sense that with Caden, Ashley obviously took the three months of maternity and I took three months of paternity. So that left her with six additional months of um, paternity leave to take. And basically what that leave grants you is it's, it's an EI program. It's an employment insurance program. Uh, you pay into it when you have a job. And uh, if you have enough hours, I think it's, uh, last 12 months, 600 hours. So if you have, if you meet those qualifications, you can apply for maternity leave into parental leave, or in my case, just parental leave. And that grants you 60% of your, your pay essentially. Um, and then it also guarantees that your employer legally has to hold your job for that year. That's incredible. um, Up to a year. Now they've, they've changed a little bit over the time, but, but again, like, um, all, all in the positive direction, making it more flexible. I think just in the last year, they've extended it to be 18 months, but uh, you don't get paid more. You don't get um, 60% across those 18 months. It's still, I think it's still capped at the 12 months, 60%, but then you can kind of take a bigger pay cut to go to 18. And then again, your employer has to, like, they can't give your job away during those 18 months. Like they have to temp fill it or leave it vacant. Um, and that's sort of the general rule, like in my personal, you know, situation, um, I'm, I, I, I'm a a part of a union, so we get top up and that's been negotiated to get about 96% of the pay. And so I'm able to be home with my family focusing solely on, on raising, you know, Isabel, but more time it's just, it's refereeing the other two and and kind of keeping them at bay of uh, Isabel, who's now crawling and getting into their toys. So that's my current job. Uh, but it's been really nice to be able to focus yeah. on family as opposed to having to split my attention between, you know, work and 
yeah and, dude and oh my god like it, it's so different from what we do here in the states and we have very much a culture of like work 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 in, in most places at least and like i'm going to be taking a month or so mm-hmm. like yeah, i'm basically taking the entire the rest of the year is yeah. what i'm is what i'm looking to do but but my my company's different in that we have unlimited paid time off so they just are like use it wisely <laughs> be responsible uh-huh. Please don't take the whole year off. Otherwise, we're going to have an issue. So uh, that's where, you know, I basically told my boss, I was like, hey, I'm going to take some time off. He said, how much time? I don't know. The end of the year? Sure. Okay. And and, and that's kind of where it was. But Deanna's is a little bit more firm where it's like, you know, three months, pretty standard. But anytime after that, she has to use sick leave. It's not like she has that buffer because there's something to it, man, to say, you could be home with your kid. Like there's so much that could happen after those three months. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. that's really cool that you can take that. Yeah. I I think the first three months is you're really just setting your, you're setting up for the next six months. Like right now, the first three months of Isabel was, 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 uh, and it was mostly just, you know, feeding, sleeping, changing diapers. But now the three months after that, it's been, Oh, you're starting to move. Oh, you're starting to roll over. You're starting to crawl. Like it, it, it expands upon there. And I think like, I remember taking three months with Caden and I took five months with Abigail and the difference between that three months, the five months and now six months is like, you miss out on a lot of stuff when you're not there and it's little stuff and you get to see it once you're home or once you're in front of the kid, cause they will do it over and over again. But, um, it, it's really nice to to be home, and I, I I'm really glad that um, here in Canada we have these programs. And by no means are they perfect, but they are a very nice offering for uh, for parents that that do want to focus on their kids. And, and like I said, it's not perfect; uh, it can be improved upon, and they are they are constantly looking for ways to to make it more flexible. Um, That's cool, but. In my personal situation, it's worked out really well. And I think when we knew Isabel was going to be our third and final kid as part of the plan, I, I said to Ashley, and I even said I said to my boss as well, I'm like, I didn't take the full nine months. I could have taken the nine months with, with Abigail because Ashley had not returned to work to get her hours. But I still felt I still felt I wasn't, you know, ready to leave work for that amount of time. But then with Isabel, I was like, no, I've got three kids. Like I'm, I'm going to take the yeah. whole nine months. I'm not taking anything away from Ashley. This is the best thing for my family. And my, my boss was like, absolutely. If you weren't going to take nine months, I was going to probably say you should take nine months. So, Good on you, dude. Wow. Yeah, it worked really well. Wow. Amazing. So you still have a few months to go. That's, that's super awesome. So, and, and you know, thinking about your current situation, you're knee deep in dad activity right now. And I always like to kind of harken back to what was it like for you growing up with your own father? So so what are some of the things, the the highlights that you could talk about for your own father in the way that he raised you, but then also thinking about what that's done to translate into your own parenting with your own kids? Mm-hmm. My my dad is, uh, you know, he he worked or he works like he, 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 he was the one who uh, went to work. My mom was home with us, but my, my dad was like, like, my favorite thing about my dad is that he's always supported us in whatever we wanted to do. Um, in, in the sense that like during the summer when we were off and he was working, uh, we would, uh, 
we were big into video games. So we would call Blockbuster uh, and we would say, hey, reserve this game under, you know, Patrick Murphy. And then we would call my dad and be like, hey, you got to go pick something up at Blockbuster for us. And he was always happy to do it. I don't think he ever like. Wow. He kind of knew it was coming like because and we of course we would ask, you know, our mother before we did it. Like we got permission. But maybe that's why dad was so cool with it, because he he knew that if we hadn't got permission, it would be like, ah, that's that's a red flag. You can't trick me like that. Um, so we were really good on that front. But he was he was very supportive of our um, our love of video games and, and and whatnot. But he he also like when we were growing up, like he we would always do camping. We would always go. Uh, we called it the river, but it was essentially like this location just up the street that I think. Um, we grew up in, in the middle of nowhere. We were in the country and there was this location that he went to as a kid, uh, with his family, his extended family. And that kind of continued into our childhood. So we spent a lot of time there. It was looking back, it was essentially like a, like a, a dirt road, like probably a hydro access road that went down to like this little, kind of like a camp, I guess. There's a bunch of trailer parks and stuff, trailer, you know, trailers out there. People would set up tents and stuff. It was like this little camp. It kind of reminded me of like a summer camp kind of thing. So it was really cool. We did a lot of that in the summer and that was some of our favorite stuff to do with, uh, with the family. But, um, also my dad, he, uh, he's, he's a farmer. So as a hobby. So I, I think I really got that like need for not just a hobby, but something, more like sort of a like a side project to kind of do while you're at home like right he was always we had chickens and cows and pigs and obviously he's trimmed down now that he doesn't have kids at home to you know sucker into getting eggs but uh right i always i always remember that like he always had the farm he always had to do chores and you know we would help out from time to time and uh it was it was really cool to to kind of see him doing something that he loved as a as a kid and then he was able to kind of bring it forward as this like sort of small project. And I kind of see that as like what I do. Like I have a full-time job, but I also do like websites and podcasting and video game content creation on my own, uh, on my own time, you know, uh, right. after hours. Right. So it's uh it was very, I think it was very, you know, influential. I, I think maybe subconsciously I didn't realize I was doing it, but now that I'm talking about it, it makes sense. Right. Yeah. Here you go. You got your breakthrough. Usually somebody has a breakthrough every episode where they're like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing that I did. Now look at this. It's kind of like therapy. So G- glad to hear that we helped you break through, Ryan. I think that's awesome. But in all seriousness, I could totally see how that gene has translated into what you're doing now with you know the podcasting and the video games and stuff. And let's actually talk about video games uh, before we really dive in. What's the best video game of all time? Um, of all time, eh? Like, it's funny. Like, what's the best game you played in the last five years? That's easy, but... For you, um, though. Like, like, what brings back that, the, the feels, like, when you look at it? Then, yeah, this this one's... So, it's Super Smash Brothers, uh, on the N64. Like, that game... Solid, solid. I mean, related to the fact that, I mean, the reason we probably loved it so much was, uh, the fact that we rented it every weekend for... I don't know, months in the summer. Uh, that was the game that we would we would always get. Like if there wasn't a new one out, we would call Blockbuster and we would rent it. In the long run, probably cheaper to buy it, but the fact that we could rent it and kind of get away with it. And I think eventually my parents were like, you've rented this game quite a bit. I think we should just look into purchasing it. And we were like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So that game, 
you know, four player. We would play it constantly. I have three brothers and Oh uh, God, it's perfect, dude. Exactly. So that's the one that comes back to mind. And I think no other game in the franchise, even of Smash, has really captured that time. No, because yeah. I think soon after the N64, like my brothers just one by one kind of fell off gaming or, yeah. uh, you know, one definitely fell off. I think the other two just, you know, we kind of moved in different directions in terms of what we wanted to play. But at the time, that was like the perfect timing. And that game probably doesn't hold up in comparison to more recent smashes. But yeah, that yeah. one for sure. Hey, what was the best character in Super Smash Brothers N64 and why was it Kirby? Mm, well, I mean, if it was Kirby, it'd be because he could, like, copy everyone's <laughs> beat ability, right? <laughs> Who's but your I go-to? Mean, Mine was Kirby, obviously. Yeah, Kirby Kirby was good. Uh, Link was my go-to. I think oh, solid. it was mostly due to my love of uh, Ocarina of Time mm-hmm. and uh, Link to the Past yep. shortly before that. But, yeah, Link was really good. And I think, obviously, Mario um, was a close second. But Samus was al- also one of these characters that... I didn't even really know who Samus was. So Samus was like more of a, out of a curiosity at the time. Obviously I know a lot more now. Oh yeah. Experienced Metroid, but yeah, definitely Link for sure. It's so funny. Um, I never got the appeal of Samus when I was playing N64, but every time that I was playing against somebody who would play her, I would get my butt whooped. People were so good with her back then. Uh, so, but you know, I held strong on Kirby. We had a lot of fun with it. But what, what sort of ways do you bring video games in to the way that you parent? Like, are you introducing Caden and the girls to video games at all at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, we, we play games together. Caden, Caden is a little more advanced in, in, in his love of video games. I think Abigail still, she loves to watch uh, video games and she loves to dabble sometimes. So right now we, we were big into Paper Mario on the Switch to the point where when we finished it, and this was Caden, myself, and Abigail, we were all loving it. And uh, Bobby, shout out to shout out to Bobby the Bomb. Uh, we were big fans. And uh, so, if you played Paper Mario, you know how that can be a little, <laughs> a little scarring for kids. Um, <laughs> but we we actually finished that game together, and like credits were rolling, and Abby and I were like, "Sweet, we finished it." And Caden is just bursts into tears. <laughs> really. And I'm like, I have no idea what to do. Like he, he's legit breaking down crying. And he was just, I asked like, what's wrong, buddy? He's like, we finished it. We can't play it anymore. And I'm like, well, and I I started to like dad panic, which I think like looking back, even Ashley asked like, I don't know, did you make the right call there? But I, I did dad panic. I was like, well, there, you know, there are other paper Mario games that we can go take a look at. And he's like, he's still crying. And I'm like, okay, well, what if I, so I pulled up a trailer for other Paper Mario games and, and obviously he's like, oh, can we go play that? So we went, Kate and I, we put our masks on, we went to a used game store and we ended up picking up uh, Paper Mario on the Wii U. So now we're playing that one and it actually works really well for kids because it's got the little tablet and there's like these moments of, you can like cut out parts of the world. So like the kids don't really, they obviously don't understand like the more advanced concepts of video games, like inventory management, movement, and even jumping. Um, but they're getting there. But with Paper Mario on the Wii U, like I can hand them the tablet and they can do the cutout and they can feel like they're not only contributing, but actually, you know, progressing through the uh, through the worlds and stuff. So That's they've cool. really 
enjoyed that. Yeah, but sure. that's pretty, like you said, that's pretty complex. Like when you, at first you were like, you know, he's kind of advanced. I was like, dude, he's five. Like, really, is he that? No, but that's pretty good. Like, that's he, really he, good. He, yeah, he really likes video games. And, uh, you know, he he latches on to specific games. Like we got the Super Mario uh, All-Stars, 3D All-Stars package. And they've really latched on to like what they call Space Mario. So we're playing a lot of like Mario Galaxy. Oh yeah, um, so good. Yeah, you guys playing Odyssey? Uh, we, you know, I played Odyssey before he sort of got into video games. But I think that's one they would really like to. Oh man, to come Aria back to. beg begged me a lot to play that game. We ended up beating it. Now she likes watching me play uh, Chrono Trigger of all games. Um, but that it was that was such a fun one for her to watch, and I think that especially with just the colors. And same thing could be said about Galaxy, right? But uh, that was that was a really fun. It's it's cool, man. It's cool, isn't it? Like to like have your kids like vibe with stuff that you're really into. I love it. Yeah. No, it's super rewarding, and I know when you talk to folks who don't play video games, and you tell them, "Oh, we're playing video games with our kids," and they kind of look at you like either you're crazy or, or, or even I've had it like, even like a, like kind of a bad parent. And I'm like, but at the end of the day, like playing Mario and interacting with the game and, and interacting with the controller and building that coordination, which takes a lot of skill. And, and that, that is essentially kindergarten. I'm learning this as I'm doing remote kindergarten. I'm, I'm kind of like the in, in room teacher. Yeah. Like learning how to like use scissors and glue sticks and and markers and pencils, like that's all hand-eye coordination. Oh yeah. And you are he is learning that through just using a controller and understanding how to move and jump at the same time. Love and it. it it is really rewarding to to see him do that. I, I need to uh I do need to get better though at finding games that um he can actually like I'm trying to think of a game. Like Paper Mario was a really good one. He liked to run around and jump and and start you know attacks and stuff like that really worked so i think it's important to kind of find a game that um he can play more of like he's like i talked to my co-host on dungeons and diapers crofton who plays uh he's played his daughter who is um i think turning six she's played like 300 hours or some insane number of animal crossing and she's playing it like on her own like she's she's got it down so like there's this big jump from like four to five to six in terms of hand-eye coordination and, and understanding the systems of a game without having to like know everything. Right. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of neat. And I mean, I'm, we're almost there in terms of, you know, I think Caden's ready, like maybe to have his own, if he wasn't sick of animal crossing at this point, but his own villager in the game or, or play his own Mario game. Like we're, we're almost there. And, uh, I can't wait. Cause I, again, like I want, I want him to enjoy, what what I had when I was a kid, like a parent who wants to encourage their kids to to play video games and try new things and um, not just go down like the Paw Patrol path or, you know, insert popular show here. Right. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's easy for us, especially to see like the the benefit of it. Right. Like and something that you mentioned earlier, people judging you for having your kids play video games and stuff. I find that it's surprising to me that there are so many people out there who don't realize the power that video games have and are still subscribed to this notion of, oh, it causes violence in kids and, you know, the the, the Fortnite's is melting your brain. And, you know, while Fortnite is terrible and everything, the, the bigger point is that uh, video games are good. 
they're, they're, they could be really good for kids. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, uh, that, that you're following a similar path. I think that that's really rad. Um, you know, thinking about video games and, and what you've mentioned before as a content creator, how are you approaching content creation? Like what, what, really kind of sparked that interest other than, you know, your dad having sort of an entrepreneurial spirit? What, what was it that made you want to start podcasting and streaming games and such? I think, you know, when I, when I was in college and uh, transitioned into university, I, I think I really latched on to like having um, friends that were into the same thing I was like, I went into college for computer programming and then I took a, tran a transfer into university uh, through the same program to do um, computer science. So, like, I was surrounded by people who were interested in video games in the same, like, finite detail that I was, which was kind of new for me. Like, before that, like, I had friends that were interested. I had my brothers that were interested, but not to the level of where, like, even even as minute as, like, looking forward to a new console or a new game. Like, it was just... It was just kind of like something that happened around them as opposed to something you were like actively like scheduling events around, you know? Right, right. So, you know, when, when we, when we dove into that and we had, you know, uh, you know, that community and we built it out and then I graduated and I stayed here and all my friends moved all over, like you still have online gaming, but then there's this, there's this, uh, miss of like, oh man, I, I really just want to talk about this stuff. Um, all the time, but like, I also kind of want to boil it down into something and podcasting was something I was always interested in. And I had dabbled, you know, they're not available anymore, but back in the day I've dabbled with uh, podcasting in college, but then, um, there was an opportunity to, to do a podcast. So I started the gamers in with, uh, Jocelyn Kearney and we've been doing that basically for the last almost nine years. And it's just been started off as an opportunity to just have this weekly discussion about video games and it put more purpose to the video games as opposed to just doing it to relax and have fun. It was also relax, have fun and have something to talk about on the show. So it, it reinforced that, a uh, that, that need to play video games and, uh, you know, gave it, some might say like, Oh, well you've, you've put too much uh, pressure on playing games. Like, no, I look at it the other way. Like, gives me more reason to to enjoy the game because now I like I I'm playing something I know I'm gonna enjoy because I'm gonna talk about it like I make a point of like playing games I like and I mean the reason you don't hear me talk about games I don't like is because I don't talk about them I, I try to move on but sometimes I do get kind of stuck with a bad video game but um I have that comp I don't anymore but I had that completionist sort of you know uh look but you know, now that I have kids, like it's even more important with this content creation because it's like spend all day talking about what are we going to have for lunch? What do you want for dinner? What do you want to watch for TV time? Like, what's your assignments for today? Yeah. You know, did you go to the bathroom? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so now I have this hour once a week where I, I know I'm going to be able to talk about video games and have an adult conversation about video games as opposed to being, hey, Caden, are you excited? There's a new Paw Patrol game coming, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, That's... It's, it's exciting. Yeah, and this okay. This is this is where I need some help, Ryan. Okay, okay. I've got another kid on the way. I can't. I also, I just want to call out here. This might be coming from a very selfish place, but I'm also gonna go out on a limb and say there are other dads who are listening to this who are potentially content creators in some kind of form or fashion or have hobbies, and they want to figure out how do I balance all of these things. 
right? How do I continue to make content like the Dad Chronicle and stream on Twitch and have my video game podcast, Joystick and Mouse? How do I do all of those things and also be a dad and a husband and a full-time job and, and all that sort of stuff? What's the secret sauce? Hmm. It, it, you know, we talked a little bit about this, you know, pre-show as we were warming up and, and uh, you know, there is no secret sauce. Like, I think I remember when, you know, shortly before Caden was born, like, I, I remember kind of like it was boiling in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to be able to continue doing, I think at the time I had two shows um, and, or maybe even three. Like, it was like, am I going to be able to keep doing these podcasts? And eventually I finally like, worked up the courage to to talk to Ashley and be like, hey, you know, like, I'm kind of worrying in the back of my mind, uh, am I going to be able to keep doing this? And she kind of laughed and she said, like, of course, you're going to be able to keep doing this because we're not going to let this kid take over our lives in the sense that he will eventually go to sleep. You'll have time. We'll make it work. So I think back, looking back at that conversation, it comes down to, you know, obviously balance and then support, right? So Ashley is very supporting of what I do. And sometimes when I overload the schedule, like with too many, you know, podcasts or, or other, you know, commitments like last night, I don't really stream a whole lot, but last night I was playing games for, for extra life. Um, we, we kind of say like, okay, like let's make sure we, you know, schedule in a night where we're doing something. So it's, it's all about, you know, balance and making sure you, you will have, you do have to trim back occasionally. Like if you had no kids and you suddenly, you know, and you had 10 projects, like, yeah, like you're, you're going to have to trim trim some stuff there but it's yeah. gradual right like it doesn't all happen it doesn't need to all happen at once you can kind of see what fits and what doesn't and you just have to be open to compromise and and also like just trimming some stuff back because not everything you quickly find out what you find most satisfying and most um enjoyable in your content creation when you're suddenly having to balance it with with more well, with taking care of a kid and, and more family time, right? Yeah. And that was actually, that's a really, really good point. Um, I had my own aha moment there because, you know, there were things I had to kind of give up and it was, it was tough. And you'll find that you, you have to give up some things for a short period of time and then maybe you can go back to them. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I totally jive with what you're saying. Were there any, uh, things that you had to give up completely and that you're kind of like dying to get back into um i mean i i think like from a content creation standpoint i can definitely tell you i miss sleeping in like i, I will i'll be the <laughs> a lot of parents will say yeah. that right like there's gonna come a time when you can just like tell your kids go downstairs be remotely quiet for like another hour daddy needs to sleep like i know that is coming down the road like with this being our last kid like there will be in four to five years our ability to do that hopefully yeah um but from a content creation standpoint like i think i think being able to finish games like that was one so i talk about like compromise and, and trimming back your sort of what what you can expect to accomplish when when you have less time um i never really I, i've changed slightly the way i play games but i've still been this like sampler right like i like to try everything new that is remotely interesting i'm i've been very i'm not very good at i know i'm gonna like this game but i'm gonna wait because i can't actually play it right now i still have that problem but i, I think too. you have to come to that realization like this is a now problem it's not going to be a problem down the road you'll eventually get more time 
um, as you're able to carve it out and, and even be able to play those games, you know, with your kids. And, and I'm already starting to see that like Paper Mario was the game I play with the kids and I didn't play it on my own time. On my own time, I played like, I don't know what came out around there, like Doom or something. Something I'm not going to play with the kids. Doom oh, is a yeah. great example. Yep. But too much gore. Yeah, like, yeah. Lots of blood and dismemberment. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, eventually they're going to have to learn about, you know, slaying demons and stuff, but I think yeah, until... that's true. Every child should know how to slay a demon. That is fair. That is fair. Yeah. I learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> playing Doom is what I mean. Playing Doom. I, I, when did I play Doom? Like, I played Doom when I was a kid. Like, everyone oh, did. Oh, man, everybody I, did. Shoot. When we were kids playing Doom, there was none of this fear of playing video games and it causing too much uh like violence or anything i think that was starting because mortal Kombat and like other things were kind of coming around but i don't think that our parents realized <laughs> like what they were putting us in front of but you know granted it wasn't very realistic right like no. you look at it now it's very clear you're pulling the head off of that creature like, yeah, like <laughs> would i let caden play doom one on pc maybe yeah maybe i mean he'd probably hate it but would i let him play doom eternal no nah i'll know no you're gonna have to wait for that one kid but i think there comes an age when they become aware of uh like when i started playing video games i think i was of an age where eventually when we hit that stage where you're you have more options and fidelity and video games start to get a little a little better like you were you were at an age where your parents could have that conversation with you understand what you were playing and again, like that was always great about my parents. Like maybe it wasn't the case, but looking back, I feel like they understood what content we were we were uh, we were enjoying, right? And we understood that they understood, and there was that relationship. Um, and that's definitely what I'm going to you know strive for when my kids get older. Like just because on the box it says M for mature, like let's not let's be honest. Like there are kids that are like Fortnite is a teen game. There are kids under under the teen banner that are that are still playing that game right like, oh yeah oh yeah it's about a having God, a conversation really you hear all the kids that are cursing you out in that game and talking about how your mom sucks and they're mm -hmm. all they all sound like they're eight years old they got to be it's yeah amazing. they're young i mean i remember i was fixing some kid's computer like from ashley's work and it went from one year it was like sims and then the next year it was just like how do i buy Fortnite bucks because my grandpa gave me steam cards and i'm like <laughs> I'll buy the Steam cards off you, and then you can use cash to go buy V-Bucks. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> way it's going to work. I think I got it. I, I think I, di I didn't do straight cash, though. I kind of... It, it, it was an understanding. Like, he wanted to he wanted to get rid of the Steam cards, and he wanted V-Bucks. Uh, yeah, so you went in there and bought it for him, sure. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> I didn't buy him V-Bucks. They make it sound like, like, hey, creepy old man, can you go buy me some V-Bucks? Like, you can buy like, your own V-Bucks. Yeah, like oh, standing outside the liquor store, hey, guy, can you, here's 20 bucks. Can you go buy me a case of beer? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounded like. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, it, it'd be kind of funny if that actually happened and it'd be like, you know, kid, like you can just go buy them. Like, you're their target audience. It's just GameStop. It'll be fine. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's weird with with video games but i mean i and we've all had that moment where you know playing video games like i remember when god of war came out or even spider-man uh on the ps4 came out caden loves the idea of spider-man but a lot of spider-man content he's gonna punch a dude right yep and uh, it's it's hard to understand like when when do you when, what content do you introduce them to and uh 
it for that specific character and when do you do it and like with spider-man i i could show him like kind of swinging around but then you quickly realize that game like it gets into guns and punching pretty quick yep so he likes spider-man but uh we can't really do this because it's uh you know it, it results in the kid getting a little you know overexcited and you know kind of ramming into people um but uh you know, Batman, I think we watched like a Scooby-Doo Batman movie and he loved it. And it was, sure. it was, yeah. it was for kids. Right. So I think it's just a matter of like finding the right time. Like I think someone had said to me, you kind of have to like sideload sort of, you know, content to your kids. Like, so if, if you know, they're going to be into Spider-Man, you got to do it in a way where they're not watching your Spider-Man. They're not watching the Tom Holland stuff. They're watching like, the Disney Y seven stuff, like the yeah. the kids shows. And then they're, they're kind of learning Spider-Man that way. Like Batman's a great example. Like you're not letting them watch, you know, uh, the dark Knight rises or killing you're watching or something the like Batman yeah. Scooby-Doo special. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. So how do you anticipate having to have that conversation with Caden though? Like, do you, have you been giving any thought to how you approach the topic of violence in video games? I don't know, like, it, it will, uh, the thought will often, like, enter my mind as I see my three kids, like, eating dinner, and I'm like, man, they're gonna need some tough conversations at this table, but that's future Ryan's problem, <laughs> and I don't know if that's, like, a good way to approach it, but it's a fine it, it is way. something that will often, like, flood into my, I can't let it happen because it'll just take over my brain, like, I'll be trying to do dishes, and I'll be standing there for an hour thinking about, like, how am I going to do this every year with Call of Duty? He's going to want to keep playing. Like GTA is another one. Thank God they don't make that game like every 15 years. Ugh. So I don't have to worry about it. Um, but yeah, like how am I going to approach that? I think like when kids go to school, they're going to learn about this stuff. Like you can't hide it from them. And I think that's the key part is, and something my parents, you know, never did. They didn't actively like hide stuff from us. We, they were lucky in that we were a Nintendo family. Like we kind of just, we stuck down that path and I think that made their job a lot easier, but, um, they never really hid anything from us and we had that conversation. So I think for, I know that's going to be different with, with us because there's just so much more options. And even when we bought a tablet for Caden so he could do remote learning, there's just so many apps and so many games and he knows they're there. And we have to kind of have a conversation with him about, when can you do be on your tablet and what games can you play and how does that work? And when it comes to like violent video games, like I think it'll be, you know, what are you ready to handle? Right. You know, and, and also understanding the responsibility that you are older. Um, so, and even with Abigail, like you're both older than your youngest sister. So you need to understand like you might be old enough for this content, but your sister might not be. So you have to understand like that relationship. So I, while I don't know, what i'll do i know that it'll be like this it, i'm hoping it'll be this conversation and i know from a tech standpoint and a video game standpoint i'll i'll probably be you know taking the lead on it but i'll be doing it with you know ashley as a partnership to make sure that we all understand like when we set up the tablets we did it together and we all understood how it worked and luckily you can like lock everything down right yeah <laughs> you know, dude, that's great. that's the great thing about your and my generation here of parents is that we're so empowered with knowledge of how video games work and all this stuff that goes along with it that we can easily navigate those sort of situations where our parents were a lot less educated because they didn't really grow up with it 
we grew up with it. Um, that said, the conversation, I think, you know, the way that you're handling it is it's a great perspective, you know, and I think that the baseline of how I think about it is every kid is going to be a little different in how you have to have conversations about this or really any other quote unquote sensitive subject that might come up. The context of where the kid is at developmentally is going to play a big role. Also, your family balance of like uh, how you approach that with the younger kids. Great, great point. Like not necessarily hiding it from the younger siblings, but but rather thinking uh, how is it as an older sibling in the context of your younger sibling, how should you, you know, perhaps play that game in front of them or not in front of them? And how do you work that? Because I very... I remember growing up, my sister watching me play Resident Evil 1 and freaking out when that zombie was eating that guy on the floor when you walked in that hallway in the very beginning. So I think that we have firsthand experience there and uh, and we can definitely navigate that a lot easier. So I think that this was a lot of fun and, and we have a lot of really, really good wisdom that was shared so far. Uh, I, I always like to end the shows here with some words of wisdom. Like if you had to think about all the things that we covered today from, you know, making a schedule and really sticking to that, how you uh, are talking to your kids about video games and continuing to create content with the support of your, of your wife by just the communication and everything that you have outlined here, you've provided a lot of wisdom. Uh, but if you were to think about a, a younger Ryan Murphy, perhaps somebody that needs a little bit of that wisdom today, what would you tell them? Uh, yeah, I think from a wisdom standpoint, I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but I think, um, communication is, is, is key and, uh, working together. Like there's a, you know, with Ashley and I, like, I think that's, that's obviously our, our best asset is we have the ability to, to work together to, to sort of tackle this sort of stuff. And we've, we kind of, we work together on a lot of things and we do what works. We do what our strengths are and we, we kind of, you know, backfill where maybe we don't have, um, a strength there. And I think when it comes to communication, like using the tools, like in the technology available to us, like we would have issues where I would have something scheduled and I didn't tell Ashley because obviously like we're all really busy and, and that was, right. that was my bad. And I eventually said like, well, let's set up like some shared calendars. Like let's use technology so that I can just put it in the calendar and then, you know, still talk about it, but hopefully there's this opportunity to be like, oh, it's in the calendar. Like there's some knowledge there or at least some, some pre-warning. Right. So I think like working together, communication, um, and just, uh, using the tools that you have uh, available. Like that's, that's always been my thing. Like I, I early on struggled with this, you know, um, like what am I going to do with my kids when, when it comes to like technology like embrace the fact that we have all this this technology to a certain extent like don't don't go crazy but using like uh, we have uh we have you know um room cameras for the kids like we use those to check in on the kids like it's much helpful much more helpful than like trying to sneak in you know shared calendars like even down to now with Caden and his tablet like we were able to sit down and figure out like the family link system for android and and kind of use it and it's so so helpful makes our lives so much easier so i just think yeah that's probably like it's not really wisdom it's like probably common knowledge but sometimes you you forget to look at that stuff like yeah you get caught up in the moment man totally right like 
there's so much practicality in every, in all the tools that we have at our disposal, but yeah, sometimes it's overwhelming and you, and you forget what you have right there in front of you. Uh, very well said. And, and Ryan, like we talked about, you have a lot of content out there on the internet. I want my folks at home to uh, learn more about what it is that you do. So why don't you take a moment and pimp your stuff? Yeah, so you can uh, find me on Twitter, at rmurphy, like I tweet all my things there. And in terms of podcasts, I have uh, four active podcasts, and you can find all the links at tgistudios.com. I've got the Gamers In, where we do general gaming, and uh, Zombies Ate My Podcast, where we talk about zombies. That's a fun one. We do a lot of Walking Dead, but nice. we, uh, we we delve outward sometimes. But uh, we also I also have uh, Summoner's Call, uh, focused on Fire Emblem Heroes, and uh, Dungeons and Diapers, which is a parenting-slash-geek uh, culture podcast where we kind of talk about delving into dungeons, talking about what we're enjoying, and then diapers where we uh, we change some diapers, quote unquote. We talk about parenting, although uh, now with potty training, we've been talking. We're probably gonna have to change that part of the title. We probably won't, but it, it's legacy. We'll keep it there. Yeah. But there won't be. There's not gonna be diapers forever. It's good branding. Uh, we, good branding. Which is it's yeah. We can't change it now. <laughs> it's been two years, but we didn't really think about that at the beginning. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that's where you find me. And I mean, um, I'm also doing Extra Life. Um, hopefully, this is okay. We're we're doing Extra Life. Yeah. It's uh, it's a charity. I'm playing for sick kids, and we're going to be streaming a bunch of stuff. Uh, but if you follow me on Twitter, you can find all that. It's a great cause. 100 percent of the donations go directly to Sick Kids, which is a uh, children's hospital in Toronto. Love it. I love the mission that you're you're doing there. And uh, I stopped by your stream last night. It was. It was fun being able to catch you for a little bit. So thanks for doing that. And again, our guest today has been Ryan Murphy. Ryan, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Thank you. It was awesome. I've, I've been waiting. I've, I'm so excited to be on the show because I've, uh, I've wanted to be on for a while. So this is great. Oh, I'm happy to have you, man. Thanks again. That was Ryan Murphy, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And thank you again to Ryan Murphy for sharing his story. I don't know if you could pick this up, but Ryan is like one of the most even-keeled people I've ever talked to. He's always got just a real calm demeanor. And I could imagine that that definitely helps in his relationship with his wife. But, you know, I think beyond that, his approach to communication and alignment and collaboration with his wife is so important when you're creating content. And I know that that's something that I try to instill in my relationship with Deanna and more power to him because juggling this content creation and having kids, it's real tough to do. So I hope that this conversation was helpful, especially to those of you who are like me, you know, aspiring to create stuff on the internet and then also having a day job and then also having a family and kids to raise. There's a lot to it. So thank you again to Ryan for sharing his story. As a reminder, we have a brand new Patreon set up over at supportadad.com. So if you enjoyed this show and you want to find some kind of way to support it monetarily, consider supporting it through our new Patreon page. Over at supportedad.com, you'll find a bunch of different levels of different pledges that you can make towards this show. Even $1 a month helps a ton. But if you sign up at $5 a month or more by November 4th, I will be sending you a handwritten note saying thank you for being one of our first patrons in this program. Thank you again to so many of you who have been signing up. It means so much to me. Again, find out more over at supportadad.com. Also, one last bit of news. These episodes, as well as additional videos, are all uploaded to my YouTube page. 
If you head to incastmedianetwork.com, there's a link there to our YouTube page. I would encourage you to subscribe as I'm making some exclusive YouTube content that could help you as a parent. And as always, if you'd like to reach out, you can do so by emailing thedadchroniclepodcast at gmail.com. Our website is thedadchronicle.com, and you can subscribe to the show via the very many links there to your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Be good to yourself and be good to others. See you next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.